0: So my name is Caitlin and I am a teacher and I teach um, a special education class um, known as the communication program. So all of my students are between grades one and three, and they all have communication difficulties. Seven out of eight of them have autism and the rest um, have communication difficulties due
1: to chromosomal abnormalities. So you're in a totally different type of classroom then?
0: Yes, for sure. It um, is very atypical than the different, than the classrooms that most people work in. So in my class, I have eight kiddos and I have myself as well as three educational assistants.
1: Okay. Okay. So there's quite a few of you in the class then, even though it's a smaller class size. For sure. I'm interested to hear then how um, COVID has impacted your experience teaching because it will be a little bit different, obviously, than my last teacher guest or experience. So you were teaching obviously when COVID started. Is that correct?
0: That is correct. So I was teaching, but I wasn't teaching special ed. So last year I was teaching um, coverage. So I was teaching drama, dance, art, and phys ed when COVID started last year. Um, and at that time it was very different because I was going from class to class to class. Right. Um, and when we switched to online, a lot of my online posting just surrounded like posting videos for them to watch or things like that. Right. Whereas this year has been a lot more hands-on because I do teach special ed and special ed although a lot of people in the general public don't realize we have a different set of rules than everyone else has so like for example um after Christmas break when everyone stayed home all of my students attended in-person class
1: right i had her i had read that in uh, like in some of the newspapers and stuff covering just like what the different protocols were for different types of classrooms. Mm -hmm. So when did you start teaching that class?
0: I started teaching the class um, September of this year.
1: Okay, so it was like in the middle of the pandemic, but sort of during the time when there was a little bit less cases and school went back, basically. Yes, yes. Okay, so when you went back, obviously this was a big change for you because you're teaching a totally different type of way at that point. So were you... Uh, outside of that which is already something you have to adapt to were you informed about any changes that were going to be occurring like in the school that you were working at so
0: honestly before the school year started it was extremely stressful because i think another thing that the public doesn't realize is that like for example last march when schools closed i heard about it on the radio on my way home from work like we don't have any sort of advance warning of these things. So when we were getting ready to go back to school, there was a lot of talk in the media about whether or not school would be canceled. And we were kind of just waiting to hear just as the general public would be as if we were going back to school in September. So like two weeks before um, Christmas break ended, we got an email from the school board saying that they hadn't made a decision yet. And then um, probably one to one and a half weeks before the school year started was when we got an email saying that the school year would indeed start in person, but that we would be attending school for the first week without students there. And we had no idea what the COVID protocols would be in terms of masking or shield, and they never really revealed anything to us like on the first day of school. I showed up with like my cloth mask that I had just been wearing around just, Mm -hmm. you know, pandemic life in general. Yeah. (laughs) And when we had done that, we had to sit in on meetings. And that is when they talked about the distancing, the shields, the masks. So it was just, we had really no clue about what the procedures were going to be other than what we'd heard from the media.
1: Right. And you, like, that is also what my last, what Jess said as well, when she was on that you kind of just... (laughs) you were learning everything just as everyone else was basically.
0: And it's not even like um, we were like learning the decisions after the school board had made them. The school board was kind of making them as we went to, which makes it hard to instill your confidence in a policy that's getting created as things come up. Yeah,
1: (laughs) kind of made on the fly.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And like, Um, in terms of like, we were asking questions. Like I remember that first week, there were three days where we had to sit through mandatory training and we were all in the library of my school together and they had measured out six feet between the desks. So we were allowed to take our masks off um, if we felt comfortable. And there'd be a lot of questions that came up around like, so when am I supposed to wear my mask? When am I supposed to wear my shield? When can Mm -hmm. I take it off? And the principal didn't even really have clarity on a lot of those things. Like for a lot of things she had said you can refer to the board's policy they had like a reopening schools policy or you can leave it with me and I'll answer that at a later time Mm -hmm. like it was just we were all in the same boat of just this fogginess of not understanding what school the school year was going to look like right and
1: how did that make you feel
0: (laughs) I I'm a generally anxious person most of the time Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) I can relate to that (laughs) Yeah. And
0: I mean, most teachers are pretty type A. So the fact that you go into the school, you're having no idea about what it's going to look like. Like you mentioned, I was in a new position. I was at a new school. I'd never been there before. And so all of this was extremely overwhelming. And the first few days of school, I just remember staying there so late. Like I would leave at like 8.30, 9 p.m. just trying to get things ready because I was just trying to prepare as much as I could because I didn't know what it would look like.
1: Right, that's a long day for you
0: for sure. But I guess that was the only thing that I could do to feel prepared, right? It's that- like
1: a control <laughs> thing, right? I guess, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> that definitely helps to cope with the anxiety of all of the stuff that's going on around us right now, <laughs> exactly. So, you taught in person, then, so that is like totally different from a lot of teachers' experiences, probably from this year, yeah. Uh, so were you provided with the resources you needed to teach in person, like whatever, whatever it was that you needed? Were you, were you provided with anything?
0: So um, one thing that's also interesting about my class is, like I said, most of my students have autism. So um mm. As you know, in Ontario, you can have mask exemptions and the school board has mask exemptions as well. And yes. any students who have sensory needs automatically can qualify for a mask exemption. So not only do I have eight students in my class, but none of them wear masks and none of them have worn masks the entire school year at all. Right. Um. So I felt as if <laughs> there should have been more things put in place knowing that I was going to have a kid, a class full of eight kiddos not wearing masks. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I was given like the medical grade, hospital grade masks were given them every couple of weeks to wear. Right. Um, We were provided with a face shield at the beginning of the year. It wasn't even a reusable face shield. It was a disposable one. So that was also kind of tricky. And then when I brought up concerns surrounding like um, teaching kids how to speak and them not being able to see my mouth.
1: Right. Um, one thing that they've
0: yeah, one thing that they provided me with was um like a divider that I could put in between me and the students if I was teaching them and they said that if I felt comfortable I could take my mask down um, and teach them through this divider but honestly it wasn't very useful in my situation because I just never really felt like we got to the level where I could just, you know, take off my mask and communicate with them especially because um With autism, I mean, there's a a lot going on, but they don't understand social distancing and they don't understand really personal space at all. Like they're little Mm -hmm. and they're learning about the world around them and they can't speak. And often the way that they get my attention is through tapping me or coming up to me and grabbing my shoulders. So it was very hard because at any time that I took off my mask, one of them could be in my personal space very quickly. Mm -hmm. So I, I was offered that, but honestly didn't feel that it was... Applicable for my classroom situation. But other than that, there was nothing extra, just the uh, masks, the face shield. And that was pretty much it.
1: (laughs) I mean, that is a challenging situation, obviously, with mask exemptions and with autism. We have Mm -hmm. to be accommodating, obviously. But yeah, you're right. It's hard because. I mean, kids in general don't understand social distancing if we're being honest <laughs> yeah, under a yeah. certain age. So then it's even harder when you have a child who's very used to the sensory component and mm-hmm. having to tell them to social distance just doesn't really make sense, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. And they like they they need that touch, they need that interaction. Exactly. So it makes it a super tricky situation to try and navigate, honestly. And most of them are developmentally, like about eighteen to twenty-four months old. And I know that you have a little one at home, and mm-hmm. yeah, at that age, like they don't, they they need oh, that. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. She loves being close and touching and.
0: She <laughs> has no way.
1: She wouldn't know anything about social distancing. Yeah. <laughs> so <Exactly>. yes, <laughs> I can see so, how that would be challenging.
0: Yeah. So it's just, it's just like a whole, a whole thing that, that we've had to navigate thus far. But yeah, I would say that there's nothing, there's been nothing extra given to us in terms of helping to protect us from that
1: aspect right. of it. <laughs> and would you say that's, kind of the the most challenging is just I don't I guess just the whole situation is challenging like is there one aspect of that that you would find most challenging
0: I almost just wish there was more accountability to like the parents who are sending their kids to school like for example every single day we go into school we do the Ontario safe school screening where we have to go through the COVID screening and say like we don't have any symptoms we haven't been around anyone um and I know for me like in order to keep my students safe, I make sure that I social distance. I make sure that I'm not going to gatherings. I make sure that I'm following the rules to protect them. But mm-hmm. I think the most frustrating thing is like not knowing what they're doing at home. Yeah, absolutely. Last weekend, for example, one of, it was one of my students' birthdays. And his dad was like, we had a little small P-A-R-T-Y, if you know what I mean. And I'm just like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not even going to get started on that. Like I'm appalled almost. And I don't obviously want to say that. I know that every parent can make their own choice. But yes. it's just frustrating when I follow the rules. I know what the rules are. My husband and I are very, very diligent when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what they're doing when they're when they leave the doors of the school and the parents aren't accountable for filling out any of that for their students. And um, If they're in high school, they have to show it. but for elementary, it's a recommendation. So uh, like, I, I mean, it's easy for people to do it and just say their kids have no symptoms if they do. Exactly. It would be different if they at least had to show that they do it, but they don't. And in my class, another thing that's a unique feature of the program that I work in is that I have a speech language pathologist partner who works with me as well. Okay. And her college, like the college of speech language pathologists has suggested that they don't work with students unless um, they're provided with the Ontario screening from the parents. Mm -hmm. So she comes in twice a week and she asks the parents like on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I need you to send me their results. And not all of them even do that. So that makes me even doubt further if they actually do it at all
1: yeah exactly and you're and you're so right people can just kind of say whatever they want on that that's really the problem with the screening in general like you go to the hospital and you have to do the screener but I mean people could can lie there's nobody policing you to tell you you can't or to or checking in on you right like to make sure you Mm -hmm. didn't do it so I know it's very frustrating that certain people don't follow the recommendations, but like you said, they're all adults and they can make their own decisions. I totally agree with that. But yes, I can definitely relate to the fact that it's frustrating. Um, I know we struggled with that last year a lot, especially while I was on maternity leave with a new baby (laughs) and we knew people who weren't kind of following the recommendations and it's, it, it's very frustrating and and you can't be sure who's telling you the truth or some people tell you things and then, you know, you end up seeing something on social media <laughs> that yeah. points to a different, different answer. So it's, it's just the whole situation is incredibly frustrating and it makes you, yeah, it's just, it's just difficult.
0: <laughs> For sure. And like, I get it. Like, I totally get that People are like, they didn't expect to have their kids home this time. All my students have special oh, needs. I guarantee that last year during the shutdown, it was very difficult for their parents to have them at home all the time.
1: Absolutely. But um,
0: I think that it's making people a little more lax on like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: they'll send their kid to school with a cough, they'll send their kid to school with a runny nose because they've had them at home for so long. They're just like, they need a break. And I get that. But I think people just need to think about like all of us teachers, we have families too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's kind of the struggle of it all, right?
1: <laughs> no, exactly. You have to think beyond just yourself right now, especially especially when you're sending your kids to school, because it's it's mm-hmm. teachers, it's all the staff in schools, who some of which are high risk. Like I know there's lots of people who are high risk in schools mm-hmm. and th- it's the other children as well. Like, I don't know. I
0: just get it. It's a little bit crazy, but I guess at the end of the day, it it is what it is. And hopefully people realize that if they follow the rules, then maybe one day we'll enter some sense of normalcy.
1: Exactly, exactly. (laughs) I keep seeing posts about that. Like, if we all just listened for, like, a little bit longer than a month, you know, we might actually get out of this sooner rather than later. But... (laughs) It feels like a revolving cycle lately where we go into precautions or lockdown and then everybody gets free of it. And they just all forget that, you know, we were just in a lockdown and that you have to yeah. still social distance and everything. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, we're back in the same situation. So
0: exactly. And I know right now they're predicting that come april we'll be in a similar situation and i'm i'm hoping that 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 won't be the case obviously for not only myself but you know everyday life but i don't know it's just it's definitely an interesting time i i can't even think forward to a time where we're going to be able to go to the grocery store without having masks but hopefully we get there eventually
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i'm sure some of the changes we've seen over the past year they'll stay around for a while and some may stay around forever just because now we're more aware right of how easily how easy it is to spread something like this and so quickly for sure yeah but uh, yeah I I know I totally get it I had a baby during the pandemic and we were like locked in the house for a year basically which was nice in a way but it was it was definitely difficult, and it wasn't. Yeah, there there's lots been lots of challenges to it for so many people. I've heard from, um, you know, like laboring mothers and and who had to be by themselves, or just so many situations where it's been challenging. So I definitely think everyone's been impacted by it in some way, and it's it's definitely going to take its toll on all of us. But I hope that we get out of it soon. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. For sure. (laughs) Do you think there's anything about or there is anything about uh, your class like that's challenging for the students, even though they're not wearing masks? Do you think that they feel there's a difference?
0: I honestly think that like when. When we entered school in September, they were honestly so used to seeing adults with masks that I honestly don't think that they noticed that much, but some things that I did at the beginning of the year to help them is on my face shield, I wear, like I taped a picture of myself of like what I look like without a mask to it Mm -hmm. um, so that they feel that like small sense of normalcy. And at the beginning of the year, they used to try and pull the masks off a lot more than they do now like they would like want to see the face a lot more. Right. Um, but now, now I think that they're more used to it, but it's, I mean, it's hard for them because they're learning how um, to speak. And sometimes when you're speaking through a mask and a face shield, what you're saying doesn't come across the way, like the way that you want them to hear it. So, right. That's- I'm sure that that is a difficult part, but because they're nonverbal, it's hard for them to express those needs. But we can definitely tell when they're like a little bit dysregulated because something's different at the beginning of the year. It was a lot of settling in. But now that they've been with us so long, I think honestly that they're pretty used to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's good to hear that they've they've adjusted well to the changes. Yeah, it definitely comes with its struggles, especially when you're learning to speak that <laughs> the whole mouth, being able to see people's mouths and facial expressions and everything is very important.
0: Yeah, for sure. Even as an adult, like sometimes when you go to the grocery store and someone asks you something, you're like, "What?" Because <laughs> you're you you're used to looking at people's lips when they move. So if you can't understand what they're saying, you can, um, you can make sense of it. But you know, even as an adult, it's difficult. So I can't imagine
1: as a child. So challenging and cleaning. I <laughs> <laughs> so you said that basically you were pri- provided with masks um, for yourself. What what kind of cleaning is happening at your school? Do you like do you have to do any of it cuz I know that sometimes that is the case.
0: So, I would say that I am very lucky that I work as part of a team. Like I said, I have four educational assistants who work with me and they are amazing when it comes to sanitizing and cleaning. So, In terms of what the school provides, the school provides wiping down of the students' desks once a day and then wiping down, because I'm in a special ed class, it like qualifies in the same area as like a kindergarten class. So it's, I guess, a more frequently used area. So they wipe down the doorknobs, the back of the chairs, and then any of the common tables. Like we have a table where they eat lunch together and stuff like that. They'll wipe those down once a day. And then at the end of the day, my EAs are amazing and they will wipe down all the chairs, all the desks, any toys that the students have touched. But that's something that we do as a team in our spare time and that we've made the decision to do. So the school provides us with sanitizer, like spray sanitizer to use. um, And that's kind of what we've just adapted to our routine of us doing it because it doesn't get done every day. So um, every day we'll wipe all the chairs at the end of the day, any of the toys that the kids touch a lot of them mouth, a lot of toys. So,
1: right. um,
0: what I do throughout the day is if I see them mouthing toys, I'll put them in a separate area at the end of the day, I'll let them soak, um, in hot water, like I'll boil water and let them soak. And then I'll wash them with soap and water because they're putting them in their mouths. I don't really feel comfortable putting it in this, the desk sanitizer.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you want to put it <laughs> something like a little bit more, less harsh, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, we we do that as a team. But in terms of what the custodians do at the end of the day, they come in, they, um, they sweep, they um, vacuum. I have a small carpet in my classroom. They vacuum it. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like the high touch services, in my opinion, it's not being done as often as it should be.
1: Do you think that that's like a staffing issue or like a time issue? Like is your school big? Like, or it's just, they're not, it's, it's not being done because it's just not being done.
0: <laughs> well, I don't think it's an expectation. That's like another thing. Like right. Um, in the school board's policy, it says that the students' desks get wiped down by the custodian once a week. And in my opinion, that is absolutely ridiculous. Like, we're in the middle of a pandemic here. Even if we were not in a pandemic. Yeah. (laughs) They should get wiped down at least minimum once a day, if not twice. And I work in a very small school. We're only K-5. to Most of the class sizes are pretty small. And so there's probably only about, well, there's three kindergarten classes, two grade ones, so three, four, five, six, seven, like maybe there's 10 or 11 classrooms in my school, so it's not huge, Um, but any cleaning throughout the day that's done is done by the teachers themselves, Um, and then, yeah, at the end of the day, it's pretty minimal. So, at the beginning of the year, if a student had one COVID symptom, they would get sent home. Right. Right. And what happens I think, get sent home is that they, you know, they, cl- they clear the classroom. So all of the other kids that are in the classroom at the time, they, they take them out of the room and they do like a thorough cleaning of the room is what they say.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, um, I had an incident at the beginning of the year where one of my students was at school with a really high fever. Um, and so we checked his temperature and he had a really high fever. He was falling asleep on my lap. Like it was very clear that he was unwell um so we called the custodian to do the full clean and i happened to be in the room putting stuff away while she was doing the full clean and honestly she just went around and sprayed the desks with sanitizer sprayed some of the chairs with sanitizer and that was pretty much it then the kids are allowed back in so Sorry. even that like deep clean that they're doing like um it takes probably like for example if a student in a regular class Um, exhibited COVID symptoms they would clear them out for about 10 to 15 minutes Mm -hmm. and in that time the custodian is supposed to be doing a thorough cleaning but um, from what I've seen and this could be different from school to school this could just be where I happen to work right thorough cleaning isn't not very thorough and simply just includes using the same sanitizer that we're provided with in our classroom to wipe down desks, chairs, they take the garbage out, which is kind of bizarre. But but yeah, they'll take the garbage out. And that's
1: pretty much the extent of it. So it's basically just something that you guys realistically, like if you had the time could have done yourselves, like it's not anything extra.
0: Yeah, like it's not like they're Yeah, coming in with a heavier sanitizer or something Mm -hmm. like it's honestly just something that like you said that we could do if we had the time.
1: That's not what I would have expected. I would have expected like, yeah, a heavier sanitizer, a little bit more of a thorough cleaning. Not sure why the garbages have to go out. I guess that's (laughs) just because they're there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's. I mean, I guess it depends on the circumstances of different things. Like if a student throws up, maybe of it would course. be different, but yeah. um, in my experience when I was watching it happen, I did not think it was very thorough for the situation that we were in. And at that time, my poor little student, he's only in grade one and he's very young. He just um, turned six in December. So like he was, he was just tired and um, they didn't quite know what to. We have like a COVID isolation room, and they wanted him to stay in the COVID isolation room by himself, but he wouldn't stay because he's just so little. He just wanted to like cuddle. Aww. So told me I could go in there with them, and they put me in like a disposable gown. But that even for me, like that was the only extra protection I got if I was handling a student that could potentially have COVID. Um, they gave me a disposable gown and some gloves and told me that I was okay to sitting in there. And that after I was done, I had to dispose of the gloves and gown and that was pretty much it. (laughs) Hmm.
1: Did they show you how to take off the gloves and gown like in the proper way?
0: We have like visuals that have been provided for us by the school board that show us how to properly put on a mask and how to sanitize our hands, how to wash our hands. And when like as part of our school board training at the beginning of the year, we did
1: have to learn how to
0: properly take off
1: gowns and gloves. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. good to hear at least. Yeah. Because I was like, I wonder if they actually go over donning and doffing PPE yeah. with, with everyone because it, I mean, for nursing and stuff, it's obviously a part of all of our training, but yeah, it's, it's good to hear that it's also happening in schools.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely happened at the beginning of the year. And if you want to refresh on it, it's information that's readily available to us, I would say.
1: That's good. That's good. So COVID isolation room, that situation that you were just describing, was that the only time you were in contact with a student um, who had symptoms?
0: So I've had a few of my students exhibit symptoms of COVID, um, including like fevers or coughs. And what has happened in both those situations is they both were sent home and then they weren't allowed to return until they got tested or were home for 14 days. So in both those cases, because they didn't want to get their their children tested, they just kept them home for 14 days. Right. Um, But I guess a kind of unique situation that I encountered was... Um, at the school that I work at, there were two workers who worked at the daycare, like there's a before and after school daycare program that's run out of the school. Okay. Two of the workers who worked at the daycare tested positive, And one of my students attends the after school program on the day that the two workers were present and he was present as well. Right. And so this happened on a Thursday. I happened to not be at school on the Friday and apparently my student was away, but I never got notified that. He was away because he might have come in contact with COVID or anything. And then on the Sunday or the Monday, public health issued a notice saying that there had been two consecutive cases of COVID and that had to be posted at the school. Mm -hmm. So because it had to be posted, the principal sent out the letter to us seeing that there had been two positive cases, but if it wasn't for like there being two consecutive cases, there probably wouldn't have been a reason for me to be notified. And he didn't exhibit any COVID symptoms. He had to stay home for 14 days. But unless public health told my principal that that she had to notify us, there would have been no reason. Public health identifies teachers as being low risk because they say that we wear appropriate PPE. <laughs> so um, I've had coworkers who have had students in their class whose parents have tested positive for COVID and they only happen to find out because the parent sends them an email like on their own accord just letting. yeah
1: that's scary
0: yes very much so it's just frustrating that like public health doesn't have to notify you and I understand privacy but like if one of my students parents test positive for COVID I would like someone to let me know so that if I start exhibiting symptoms, or my husband or they know starts exhibiting symptoms, that we kind of know where that that contact
1: tracing goes back from. But well, yeah. absolutely, that's the whole purpose of contact tracing. Like, I know it's a privacy thing; they don't have to tell you which. Like, I mean, I mean, you would probably find out if the student's not there. Yeah, but they they don't have to say that really, and that's the whole purpose of contact tracing is to know who where the. The contact is and then to notify those who were around the contact that mm-hmm. they've been around them that like that's mm-hmm. the whole basis of it
0: yeah it's uh that that whole aspect also makes me a little bit weary to be completely honest because the fact that they don't have to let you know really really does not make me instill confidence in the system as well as like Now it's different, but before at the beginning of the school year, they were pretty strict. If you had a COVID symptom, you had to go home. If your parents had a COVID symptom, you had to go home. If um, all siblings would be sent home. And then at the middle of the year, they were kind of lax. And they said, you know, certain symptoms mean sent home. Other symptoms mean that you can still return to school 24 hours after. So it's like, if you had a runny nose, you could return to school as long as you had been symptom-free for 24 hours Um, And now we're back to the more strict things, which I definitely appreciate. So like if one student exhibits symptoms, then their siblings have to go home as well.
1: Right, right. And that makes more sense to me because I didn't think it made any sense. And I know I'd heard from other people that sometimes siblings didn't have to go home, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which it they I don't know didn't it didn't make sense basically yeah. but uh, I, I'm glad to hear that it's kind of like going back to a little bit more stricter guidelines I do understand why they tried to loosen them up a little bit because when kids went back to school in the fall a lot of kids were ha- a having allergy symptoms so that was yeah. being misconstrued as COVID symptoms right and then it was also cold season so mm-hmm. <laughs> so we had two things going on that you know, were more than likely the causes of runny noses and things. I mean, and a runny nose is generally not associated with COVID. So that's, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, but it's hard, right? When we're still figuring this out, it's hard to, to find what is the right guideline to follow and, and when should kids go home? When are we sure they should go home? But I know yeah. it was getting challenging for pediatricians and family doctors because i think like at the beginning they had to sometimes see the doctor not necessarily everywhere but in certain areas they had to do that that was frustrating for the healthcare system cuz we were like okay we're just seeing a kid and then you know they just have a cold so yeah. <laughs> they just are bringing it into the office or bringing it around other people basically so
0: for sure and i think it's still like that now to be honest like they can either get their kid tested or they can Take them to a doctor, get a note to say that the symptoms aren't COVID related, um, or uh, they could keep them at home. And it's not even 14 days anymore. I believe it's 10 consecutive days.
1: Yes, yes, it did change to 10 from what I've seen uh, in the guidelines. I'm not sure. I know some people still do 14, though, and maybe not for schools, but just in the community in general. Yeah, like I know for me with work, if there's like a positive test. I believe it's still 14 days you're supposed to quarantine. So I'm. I wonder why it, it's 10 some places and 14 in other situations. <laughs> but yeah.
0: doesn't really make sense. <laughs>
1: there's a, there's a lot of stuff with COVID guidelines that to me don't make any sense. But <laughs> it's not my area of expertise. I guess uh, that's more of like an infectious disease <laughs> and infection yeah. control thing. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Do you have anything else, like any other experiences you'd like to share, any thoughts on the overall situation?
0: I just think that it's a really tough time for educators right now working in schools, because we have to think about our families as well as our students. And honestly, that's like the hardest thing ever. Like for me personally, um, not only am i teaching during this pandemic but i'm also almost 20 weeks pregnant so that also adds a a a whole other aspect to it because i'd not only have to worry about myself but also my baby has to come to me every day as well exactly (laughs) Um, so that that is challenging and then um for me i also had i had cancer and so i had chemo so my immune system I'm, it's mostly restored by by now, but being pregnant and stuff, obviously, yeah, you, my immune system a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think that that's been the hardest struggle because for me, I'm a teacher because I love the kids and I love spending time with them. But then I also am trying to also balance time for myself and my family and, and what I need. And um, when we went back after Christmas holidays, I actually took a couple of weeks off um, because I was nervous about going back with being pregnant and I was still on the first trimester. And mm-hmm. honestly, I never, like, I never knew if I'd be able to get pregnant because I did have chemo. So like, I was so concerned about the, the health of the baby and things like that, that I didn't return to work. And I got a little bit of flack from the school board because they said that pregnancy isn't an illness, which I totally understand. Um, but I think that, but they shouldn't th- be
1: able to say that to you. I feel like <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I, I honestly ended up going off on a, like a, a stress leave. Yeah. I related anxiety, anxiety, um, which I think was definitely an aspect of it. And as I took time off, I realized that that was definitely attached to it, but I just kind of wish that during this time um, they would have a little more flexibility in realizing that we're trying to balance our professional lives with our personal lives as well. And, and not question people who need to to take leaves if, if that's what they feel is best for them and their family, whether it be, um, for mental health reasons, because this year is very stressing on your mental health or for physical reasons, because you feel as if it's, if it's not safe for you. And it's just so frustrating that your employer can determine what's safe for you and what's not.
1: Yeah. Like they, no, that's, that bugs me. That bugs me a lot. Pregnancy isn't an illness. That's true. A (laughs) hundred percent but it's you having to bring another life along with you everywhere you go. So now it's not only your safety you're thinking of when you do everything, it's also your little baby's safety as well.
0: (laughs) And yeah, I think that that's like the, the hardest thing. And my husband and I have had tons of talks about this and it's like, just, we need to make the decision at the end of the day, what's best for our family. And I felt so bad. Leaving my kiddos at school, and I thought about them every day. I wasn't there, but at the end of the day, I needed to do what I needed to do for for my family. And I think that people just need to be forgiving about that. Like there were some parents questioning my principal as to why I was taking a leave, and that's really none of their business. Like if I feel like I need a mental health break, or if I need a break for my health or the health of my family, it shouldn't be questioned. And I think that that is frustrating thing
1: (laughs) yeah that's super frustrating and absolutely it is none of their business and we're all human when it comes down to it if somebody needs a break from work it's none it's not anyone's business it's really just yours and and absolutely should always look out for your family number one you and your family and your well-being is always going to be you know the top priority work Mm -hmm. will be there or it won't be there but you can't go backwards with your own health or your own safety or anything right you can yeah you're
0: never gonna that you worked more you're never gonna wish that exactly exactly (laughs) but you
1: might wish at some point if say you felt like you needed a break for whatever reason and then you didn't take it and things got harder or worse you can't go back and take it right so yeah, that, that, sure. that's always challenging with jobs, that kind of stuff, because it's very personal. And I agree, I don't think that jobs should be able to determine what's safe for you and what's not, because it it's more than just what they perceive to be safe. It's also how you feel about it. So that exactly. if you feel anxious and, and terrible going into a situation, then there, there's something wrong with that, right? And mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think they can make that decision for you.
0: Yeah, it's... Uh... Like we've said this whole time, it's definitely challenging times. And I get that. I just wish that, you know, during this time for everyone, just whether you work as a teacher or any profession, just be understanding of others and just be kind, honestly.
1: (laughs) Yes, that's honestly the takeaway message, I think, of the past year is be be kind to other people because you don't know what they're going through. We're all going through hard stuff right now, but We just need to be nice to each other because at least we have that then, right? Exactly. (laughs) If you like this podcast, hit that subscribe button. You can also check out our website at www.elephantinthewomb.ca and subscribe to the blog email list for blog and podcast updates.